The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Soccer fans all over the world, it is time. It is time for another strong session of Into the Net FC. So, sit back, relax, and get ready for a wild ride where you will hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The intensity on the pitch is about to go down. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bear of Texas coming to you live deep in the heart of Texas. Welcome to another edition into the Net FC, a soccer talk segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, is my good friend and mentor, Steve Adams. Steve, it's such an honor to welcome you back. Hey, good to be back. Greetings from LA. Well, things in Texas are still crazy. Uh, doesn't seem like things are going to change anytime soon. Yeah, you know, it's like the old thing you can't worry about, what you can't control, but I mean, here here in L.A., because each state has different laws, obviously, but like here in L.A., you know, gyms are closed, barbershops closed, nail shops closed, a lot of restaurants are moving their dining to outside. If you've got a ready-made patio area, I mean, that's great, but um, but some in some cases they had to just literally get some tables out there to try to stay open. And of course, anything that's involving fans, I mean, that's out right now too. So you know, it's the times that we live in. It's crazy, but struggles are staying positive. It's real, but in our case, it's so good to have the Champions League back, isn't it? And now, speaking of the Champions League, we are down to the final eight. Champions League final eight, Europa League final eight, and um, had a chance to watch the the Barcelona Napoli game yesterday, which ended up being a very very entertaining game to watch. Napoli came out of the blocks really fast. Mertens hits the post like within the first minute, and they start out you know like a house on fire, and 
no parking the bus yesterday at the new camp in Barcelona. It was definitely a wide open game. It was, and Barcelona, you know, came through big time. And, uh, you know, it was Clément Langlais, if I'm uh, pronouncing his name correctly, who opened the scoring for Barcelona. And then it kind of went, uh, it kind of went their way. Well, Langlais, I think, kind of got away with one on the, on the corner kick that he scored on. He basically, and I mean, it did go to VAR, but he did do a push off on a Napoli defender. And then that defender not Kabuli over it caused like a whole domino effect, but VAR said no foul, the the goal scored, so the the French international defender gets a pretty rare goal. Does and it's uh, it's gonna spark uh, his future, you know, for the French national team as far as that as that goes. And then thirteen minutes later, Lionel Messi uh, makes it uh, two nothing, and then um, the first minute of injury time uh, before halftime, it's three nothing, courtesy of Luis Suarez. So at that point, it seems like Barcelona has sealed the deal. Well, and Messi actually had what should have been a second goal disallowed. The VAR thought they interpreted it as he controlled the ball with his arm, and I frankly didn't see arm control or handball. But it was it was really a pretty goal that just showed amazing balance. A lot of players with the contact would have just dove and tried to do the penalty, but Messi, as Messi does, he's just like a toy weeble and... He weebled and wobbled, didn't didn't stay down, and ended up, you know, finishing off what should have been a really nice goal. But even still, Messi's play in the first half was a huge difference. Uh, Napoli was able to get a late penalty just as time was expiring in the first half to try to give a little bit of a lifeline, but they weren't able to score at all in the second half, and Barcelona was able to to hold on. Indeed, and uh, speaking of Lionel Messi, i got a couple of facts here. He has scored against 35 different clubs in Champions League play, and that is two more than Cristiano Ronaldo. So that that intensive rivalry between the two, I mean, one guy is doing this while the other guy is doing this, it's still a, a big debate today on who is the GOAT. It's... It- it's to me the whole thing with debating between Ronaldo and Messi. It's like arguing over who's the hotter supermodel. And at the end of the day, they're they're both transcendent players. They both have won a tremendous amount of hardware. They both have won multiple Champions League. In the case of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's won a Champions League with Man U. He's won a champions. He's won a couple of Champions Leagues with uh, Real Madrid. So, the, the the one thing that people always harp on that separates the two is that at the national team level, while Messi has a gold medal playing for Argentina in the 2008 Olympics, Ronaldo played with Portugal when they won the Euro title uh, back in 2008. So he's at least won what people consider to be a full-blown international trophy. And for people that are fans, they'll consider World Cup or the Copa America, if you're in South America, or the European Nations Cup. And Ronaldo at least has a Nations Cup to, to his credit. But, but the fact that both of these players have played at such an incredibly high level for so long I mean, there have been players that have played at a high level, but to be honest with you, I don't even think the great Pele played 
as as high a level into his mid thirties uh, as Ronaldo and Messi. And and remember too when Pele came to play with the New York Cosmos when he was in his early 30s. I mean, he was playing against competition in the North American Soccer League. I mean, Messi is still playing against top-flight competition in La Liga. Ronaldo was playing until very recently in La Liga, and then he's been playing in Serie A with Italy, and he's played very well with Juventus. But they're both just transcendent players, and I think we, we just have to, as fans, just say, you know, we've just been very, very blessed to be able to see these guys play at such a high level for so long. Well said. Absolutely well said. And now Barcelona's fate lies against Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. And it seems like this could be the end of, the end of their run because Bayern Munich is tough as hell. The it's, it's kind of funny how the one side of the draw you've got, on the one side you've got Man City, Barcelona... Bayern Munich, and then Lyon kind of rounds that out. So you've got three really, really super clubs. And then the other bracket, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Atalanta, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig. So Leipzig has never won anything big. Atalanta has never won anything big. Uh, PSG, the only... they If they were to make it to the semifinals, it would be the furthest they've ever gone in the Champions Cup or Champions League. And the only Euro hardware that PSG has ever won was the old Cup Winners' Cup. I want to say that was in 87. And uh, that's a competition that doesn't even exist. Excuse me, 97. Uh, It's a competition that doesn't even exist anymore in Europe. And I think Bayern Munich um, has a legitimate shot of actually uh, making it to the final. Um, But I want to talk uh, about... Real Madrid versus Manchester City because a lot of people ask me if I was pained by that because everybody knows that I love Zidane. I'm, for the sake of Zidane, I was a little bit pained because you know Zidane's my is still my hero. He's been a, he's been my hero since I was a kid. I say, well, yes, from a fan's, fan's perspective, it's painful, but at the end of the day, we can blame Rafael Varane all we want. We can blame one guy all we want, but the truth is, Steve. Real Madrid lost as a team. But it's not entirely on Varane because some people might think I'm making excuses for him for that first goal. I mean, he was put in a very heavy position. And for him to try to get out of it all by himself, I mean, that's just not how you play as a team. But it's Well, like- they were they were Real Madrid really was screwing around with the ball in their own end and they were being very callous. You know, they were being very cavalier with it. But Varane really did make hash out of of that play he got stripped and um, you know uh, Jesus made a very simple pass that uh, Raheem Sterling did miss on he just buried the chance he was getting but uh, but yeah I think that's clearly a match that Rafael Varane is not gonna really want to remember that one but you know it still doesn't take away from the fact that hey you know at the end of the day Real Madrid they still had a very, very good season. They were La Liga champs when play resumed in Spain after the, the COVID shutdown. Real Madrid played great ball, overhauled Barcelona, and just totally left them in their dust. So a little disappointing for, for them for the Champions League. But, I mean, Man City is a team that 
really has the players and the mentality that this is a team that is capable of, of winning it all. I mean, it's a very loaded team. Pep Guardiola has won this competition before, although it seems like light years ago in uh, 2011 with Barcelona. But, you know, it's a team that's very, very capable of, of winning. I mean, I think the potential semifinal of Bayern Munich and, and Manchester City, I think for a lot of people, they would feel like this would almost be the final. That whoever would come out of that semifinal would surely be the very, very heavy favorite going into the final. Exactly, and here's a couple of facts um, from the game between um, Manchester City and uh, Real Madrid. Rafael Varane is the first Real Madrid player to commit two hours, leading to a goal in a single Champions League game since the 2007 and 2008 season, and that's very tough on him. And something else, uh, Gabriel Jesus is just the second player to score in both legs of a Champions League knockout tie against Real Madrid since Ruud van Nistelrooy with Manchester United. And that was during the 2002-2003 season. And it, is, it doesn't even end, end there. There's, there's just so much more. Raheem Sterling scoring his 100th goal in all competitions, and he's the first Englishman to reach three figures for the club since uh, 1981. Yeah, with with what they have with Man City, and given the year two that Kevin De Bruyne had, the Belgian should have been the EPL Player of the Year. But uh, he's played just phenomenally well in both Europe and in the league with Man City. So if if both Man City and uh, Bayern Munich get out of uh, their respective quarterfinals to meets in the semis, that would be a very very mouth watering semifinal indeed. It, exactly. And for Real Madrid, it's it's so painful because they went from being winning the title three straight times to being knocked out in the round of 16 in two consecutive years. And here's another interesting fact, Steve. Real Madrid have lost both legs of a Champions League knockout tie for the first time since the 2008-2009 tournament when they lost both at home and away, which was actually against Liverpool. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. It, and then the other half of the draw is just completely wide open. Atalanta, Paris Saint-Germain, PSG will be playing without uh, Mbappe. They're both teams that have uh, high-powered offenses that can score. And then the other game, Leipzig and Atletico Madrid. I'm sure that Diego Simeone will park the bus as usual, get a counterattack goal, and, you know, I think I think that they should have enough quality, I think, to overcome uh, Leipzig, who probably has made it further in this tournament than uh, even most German fans would have thought at the beginning of the year. I mean, there's really no reason for Atletico Madrid Madrid to come up short. Um, and here's something that really shocked me: Who would have thought Real Madrid and Juventus knocked out? of the tournament simultaneously. And Steve, I don't know if it's more humili- humiliating excuse me, for Real Madrid or Juventus. I would probably say Juventus because Juventus lost to Lyon. Yeah, well, and you can throw Liverpool as well, losing in the round of 16 as well, too. So, I mean, nobody really would have thought that any of those three teams, but Juventus getting dumped on the away goals rule by Lyon Huge upset, and cost the head coach's job. Oh, big time. 
and the new and, and they um, announced a, a new manager recently, and it's Andrea Perlo. Yeah, and Perlo, of course, he was such a wonderful player, uh, both for club and for the the Azzurri, the Italian national team, and he had a very good spell at the very very end of his career with uh, New York City uh, Football Club, but. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, the this is a team. It's it's very very rare in any other sport where a team that has won its national team title and Juventus they they won Serie A going away. And in spite of this amazing season that they had in Serie A by them coming up short against Lyon, that was pretty much the death knell. So. Uh, We'll see how Perlo can do. You know, can Perlo be another guy who is a top-flight player, like a Cruyff, like a Zidane, like like Ancelotti, a, a guy. Oh, and you can even throw Pep Guardiola in that too. Guardiola was a very, very good player in his playing days with Barcelona. Is he a guy who can make that jump from being a really top-class player to try to be a, a top-flight manager? But he's still going to have an embarrassment of riches to work with with Juventus. I mean, that's still a team that I think most of their big talent is going to be staying. So, yeah, but that was clearly uh, clearly a huge, huge thing for Lyon to, to pull that upset off. And speaking of uh, players staying at Juventus, uh, this is merely just a report that I saw, but it was reported that Cristiano Ronaldo wants to leave. Well, that part I hadn't heard. Is there... what? What were they saying as far as what de- what destination is, are they thinking that he might be going to? Like I just said, it was just merely a report. Uh, so there was really nothing, no information there. Uh, see, what I'm looking right now, I mean, this is from a source called Sport Bible. And it says here, and it, it seems that it's been updated. It says, Cristiano Ronaldo, quote, wants to leave Juventus for a move to Paris Saint-Germain. Now that's interesting. Interesting indeed. Now that's, now that's very interesting because there had always there'd been this talk for so long about Mbappe possibly leaving to go to either Liverpool or Real Madrid. As far as newer stuff on the newswire, the one bit that came out just later this afternoon, just I saw it only about a couple hours ago before we got into this conversation. Two members of Atletico Madrid's party. They didn't say whether it was coaching staff or players, but there's two members that are positive from that squad for COVID-19. So this will be, this will merit further follow-up with uh, the quarterfinals going on this coming week. It's a very interesting story, and I'm going to keep my eyes glued on it. Uh, but at this point, it's uh, what to keep in mind is it's, it's merely just a rumor. Nothing really has been confirmed. Because the, what's the key, uh, Steve, is that on the headline, on the title, it says, with the words, wants to leave, it's in quotes. So that, mm-hmm. And that means, you know, in journalism perspective, it's just a rumor. And there's a rule that I learned at school, when in doubt, leave it out. And so in this case, I really am not sure if he wants to leave Juventus. So in my case, it's not worth writing a story because... I'm sure the audience wants guarantees. They don't want to see most stories with rumors. Like they really want to know what's going on. Like they want to see stories with things that are guaranteed. Like they want to be excited. 
and that's yeah. and, and rumors don't really keep him excited. Rumors keep him wondering. It keeps him, you know, having scratching their head. So, but uh, but it'll be interesting, you know, because of the of the teams that are left on that half of the Champions League draw, Atletico Madrid, in spite of its pedigree, they have never won the Champions League or the Champions Cup. They've been losing finalists a couple of times. They've won a Cup Winners' Cup, and then um, they've also won a Europa League uh, as recently as uh, two years ago when they beat Marseille in the final in Lyon. But, you know, so there's not a single one of those four teams that are on the one side of the Champions League draw that have lifted the Champions League or uh, the, old, the old Champions Cup. So uh, pretty wide open on that side of the draw. Right now in the final eight, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's only two, there's only two clubs that, that have uh, lifted the trophy, and that would be Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Although it's been such a long time since Bayern Munich has lifted the trophy, I'm not sure when they last lifted. But I also want to say a couple of things about Juventus, uh, Steve. If I am correct, the last time Juventus won the Champions League, I believe it was in it was the 1995-1996 season. I know that Didier Deschamps was on that team. And what's so frustrating for Juventus is that over the last uh, few years or so, like with go back to 2000, they've been finalists in this tournament and they've lost on very frustrating terms. And those fans are and the fans and the club uh, management, uh, the front office, I should perhaps say, to be more clear, they want results. They won that. They won that. They want the title. Like they don't just want, they want the Champions League. Yeah. Winning the Scudetto, winning the Scudetto is nice. I mean, winning the Scudetto for Juventus is it's expected, but they also definitely want to get the the European hardware where too, and that that was part of the reason why they made the move for Cristiano Ronaldo was they thought that you know getting him giving the what a important player he was for Real Madrid to to win some Champions Leagues while he was there. You know, I think a lot of the people in Turin thought that uh, Ronaldo would be the guy who could get Juventus over the line, that he could be that X factor uh, that could finally do that. And it's very unfortunate that it didn't it did not work. And here's a couple of uh, more facts. Um, I'm actually working on getting more facts into our show because I. I feel like since facts are always doing well in my stories, I feel like facts are going to do well on, on this show. And here's something that will really interest you. Memphis Depay is the second Dutch player to score in six consecutive Champions League games after Ruud van Nistelrooy. I hope I'm pronou- pronouncing that correctly. And there's another thing about Ronaldo, and it's it's sad too. Um, you, Ronaldo scored basically had it said that he had scored 20 goals in his last 13 home Champions League knockout games and until he has 67 goals in the knockout stages of the competition which is 21 more than Lionel Messi who has 46 but also what's important is in that game in that loss Cristiano Ronaldo broke the record for most goals scored in a single season for Juventus with 36 and Steve here's the million dollar question how many years did that record stand? Long time. Ninety-five years, to be precise. And when you think of and when you think of guys who've worn that black and white jersey, I mean, people like Paolo Rossi, uh, people like Michel Platini, some really, really phenomenal players who've 
who've played in uh, uh, Alessandro Del Piero, people that scored an awful lot of goals for the Bianconeri. And for, you know, like only his second year, I want to say, with Juventus, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of 35 breaks that record. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. It is. And I love how you mentioned that, Steve. Think of all the players, all the players, not only over the years, over the decades, who have played for Juventus. And Ronaldo comes in and, and he breaks that record in only his second season there. And another player, a, a high a prolific scorer, David Trezeguet, played for Juventus. And it's amazing how, you know, he, would, he probably would have been poised to break that record and he didn't do it. But all those players that could have done it, none of them do it. It's a record that stood, once again, folks, 95 years. And the record is now 36 goals. And, and you know, for the people that go back and forth as far as, you know, who is the greatest of the two, Messi or, uh, or Cristiano Ronaldo, and, and in some ways what Ronaldo has done, being able to do it with Man City, or excuse me, with Manchester United, with Real Madrid, and now with Juventus. I mean, the fact that he's been able to do this with those clubs, you know, Messi, I mean, he's done everything with Barcelona at the club level. I mean, again, both both just very, very impressive. And, but yeah, I, I'm sure that the, the, the people with UEFA are not real happy about Juventus. I, I think a Juventus-Manchester City quarterfinal, certainly as far as for ratings and all that stuff, would certainly have created a lot more buzz as opposed to Man City and Lyon, whereas, you know, this one now becomes a real, you know, David and Goliath kind of matchup. And that's the way I described it. If you recall, folks, on the first episode of Into the Net FC, I described the game, Lyon versus Juventus, as a situation of David versus Goliath. So it seems, Steve, that my prediction was actually true and the small team wins so in the perspective of journalism it's good because it's a major story it's something to be talked about for years i mean who would have thought lyon lyon of all clubs to be the one to pull off such a miraculous upset i mean this may be the most important win in the history of olympic lyonnais i mean unless there's something i'm missing and there's something I gotta say, Steve. Um, a couple of my friends um, uh, contacted me and said, "Alex, you're from Lyon, aren't you?" I said, "Yes, that's right." So, what are your thoughts? And I explained, "I'm happy, very happy, because I love Lyon. It's a very nice, very beautiful city." Um, my dad has actually stressed me that he's not really a fan of the club. I think because of the management and ownership, I've not gone. To the, my dad has not gone into the details with me. So, if he ever does, I will. Uh, I'll let you folks know, and I'll explain it on this show. And then some of my friends says, but don't you support Paris Saint-Germain? And I explained, to an extent, yes. I mean, there's nobody that is... It's Kylian Mbappe is who I support the most when it comes to Paris Saint-Germain. But keep in mind, folks, there's the two personalities in my head. There's the soccer fan, and then there's the sports writer. So in the sports writer's perspective, I'm happy because it's a hell of a story to talk about. And it's also something personal because, you know, it's, it's the club of my hometown in France that's done something huge. So overall, it brings up a lot of pride. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But, I mean, in among French soccer fans, though, I mean, 
by far and away the, the two biggest teams as far as that have massive followings that go way past the cities where they're based. Uh, PSG and uh, Olympic Marseille are probably the top two. And then, you know, Olympic Lyonnais has a pretty good fan base, but but pretty much after PSG, Olympic Marseille is pretty much the team that a lot of people in southern France root for. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting because, you know, in that case, you know, my dad um, is a strong... I mean, I'm not sure... Honestly, no. I'm gonna be really honest. I don't think he is a, a fan of Marseille anymore. Not because he doesn't like the team, but my dad's not a strong supporter or follower of soccer like I am. I mean, he still follows. He, I mean, he knew about the Lyon. He knew about the results. Like he looks it up on the computer. He doesn't actually sit down and watch the games. For those of you wondering, because um, I did have a request uh, on Twitter, uh, somebody wanted to me answer why, and and I said, well, the answer that my dad gives is because he's quote too old. I think it's, my dad's just saying, you know, my dad's a very busy guy. He's still doing what he's been doing even before I was born. He's a, a businessman in engineering and, and uh, consulting. And he he hasn't traveled in a while, obviously, because of the whole COVID. But he's super busy. I mean, there's times where he can't even sleep at night because he's so busy. So it's hard for, it is understandably hard for him to follow the sport. I mean, especially like me. But I still think my dad has passion for soccer. Um, and I have more requests, folks. Uh, and first of all, Steve, I want to let you know this, that I've had some people, they want me to say a couple of things, like some thoughts on some past events uh, in the history of soccer. I had a, a friend of mine who wanted me to say my thoughts on this uh, on this episode about w- what do I think of the fact that Newcastle United passed on Zinedine Zidane, and we'll, we'll get to that once we conclude with the Champions League. But folks, I want to let you all know, if you have any requests on what me and Steve, Steve's going to be a... A regular guest on the show, so you can send a request to me and uh, Steve. If it's okay with you, uh, can, can our uh, followers uh, send you requests on what they want to hear you say uh, in soccer? If there's any commentary or question, sure, absolutely, they can hit me up. Okay, well, Steve, I'm sure the, I'm sure they they will all uh, really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow my friend Steve Adams on Twitter, it's at Nurse Dude Steve. The, the N is capitalized once again. It's at Nurse Dude Steve. Any requests, just send it to him, and then just mention it in TDNet FC. Same thing with me. You can follow me at Bearman of Texas. Send in the requests, and we will fulfill them. Now, moving on, Steve. Now, we get to Chelsea versus Bayern Munich. The outcome of this game went exactly the way I thought it was, and I can't say that I'm surprised. Well, there was no doubt about it. I mean, Chelsea was... That after the the ruins of the FA Cup that they lost to Arsenal last week, uh, Pulisic blew out a hammy. He's going to be out at least six weeks. They had a couple other players injured too, and I mean they were already, I believe they were three goals down from the first leg. So I think Chelsea was going to play this one more for pride. Chelsea actually scored a goal yesterday, but. But there was just no no doubt going into this one that Bayern Munich would finish up the job. It's unbelievable. And what's really sad is, um, well, this is actually, I, would, I should say more surprising than sad is Olivier Giroud was not in the starting lineup. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's a real surprise. I think Giroud is of a certain age, shall we say. You know, it's hard to say how nicked up he might have been after that very disappointing FA Cup loss to, to Arsenal for Chelsea. And I think I think Frank Lampard just probably thought, you know what, let's just 
let's vet a few other players because you know we're really probably not going to be competitive with this. So that I guess that would be my feeling. I'm I'm not totally surprised that he didn't play Giroud. Well, that's a very good point. And as far as Christian Pulisic goes, I really hope that he he heals, and I really want him to stay healthy. And keep in mind, folks, this is the sports writing perspective that's talking. Now, if this was the the wild fan of me talking, I'd be trash-talking Chelsea so bad. I mean, this wouldn't even be worth recording because it's it's very unprofessional. It's very unobjective. And that's not what this podcast is about. It's about telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So it's good for me to stay in my, in my sports writing perspective. And in the case of Bayern Munich, I mean, I, there's only two words I can say, and that is Robert... Lewandowski. Lewandowski is just a stud. That's not even, that's not enough, Steve. A stud is not enough to describe him because there's he's done. I don't know how long he's been in the club, but in this time with the club, he has done so much. It's just unbelievable. I, I think he's at the point where to Bayern to the club and the fans, uh, the fans of Bayern Munich, he's not just a, a beloved name. I mean, he's a he's a god. Just like how Zinedine Zidane is in France, he's he's God to to the uh, to the world of Bayern Munich. You know, he's just such a transcendent player with both Bayern Munich and with the Polish national team. I mean, he's just been just such such a phenomenal player, and you know, it's it's going to be it's absolutely a mouth watering if if it comes to pass if. If Bayern and, and Man City can meet in the in the semifinals, that would be one very very mouth watering tie. And speaking of Robert Lewandowski, here's something very interesting that I learned just recently. He has scored in 52 goals in 40, 44 appearances in all competitions this season. Absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure like. It's like I said, there's just so many ways to describe him. It's just, it's impossible. And here's something else. He was involved in all seven of Bayern Munich's goals against Chelsea this season. Mm-hmm. And he's the first player to register three-plus goals and assists against an opponent in a season since Luis Figo did it for Real Madrid in, during the 2004-2005 season against Roma. Well, and Luis Figo was was quite a good player as well too for Real Madrid and uh, and for Portugal as well. So I mean that's pretty good company to be in. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Luis Figo, folks, for those of you wondering, who was the guy before Ronaldo? It was Luis Figo. Yeah, no, he was he he really was a, he was a very very special player. Oh, very special player indeed. So, folks, as we close out the round of sixteen, a couple more facts. I want to say something about Pe- about Pep. Pep Guardiola is the third manager to eliminate Real Madrid in the knockout stages of the Champions League on more than one occasion. The other two was Marcelo Lippi, who did it in 1995-1996 with Juventus, also in 2002-2003. And ironically, Marcelo Lippi would lead Juventus to the final both those years. He did win it the first time, but the second time they they came up short, which was, I believe, against AC Milan. The other guy to do it was Otmar Hisfeld in the 2000-2001 season, as well as the 2006-2007 season. And when you're, you're one of those, and he's only one of the three guys to do it, and that's something huge to eliminate Real Madrid in the, in the round of 16, excuse me, in the uh, knockout stages 
more than once because Real Madrid is just one of those giants that that's just won it so many times. And the last fact I want to uh, about the round of 16, folks, and this is super important for me, Lyon is the first French team to eliminate Juventus in the knockout stage of any European competitions cup. That's amazing. Now we move on to the quarterfinals. And on the 12th, in just in uh, on this Wednesday, we will see Paris Saint-Germain versus Atalanta. And the big story in this case is the absence of Kylian Mbappe. Well, I still think that PSG has enough where I would I would give PSG the slight edge against Atalanta, but I think in terms of pure entertainment factor in terms of uh, very open offensive soccer. I think Atlanta PSG may end up being probably the, the, the more watchable of the, of the quarterfinals. I think maybe even more offensive than uh, Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Absolutely. And I, we discussed this last time. I feel like even without Mbappe, Paris Saint-Germain is still the favorite in my, in my view. But uh, I will I will have to say though I'm I'm rooting for Atalanta in this one and not just because I'm a Marseille fan but because Atalanta is based in Bergamo in northern Italy and for people who've been following the COVID crisis at all and early on when things were hitting Italy very very hard northern Italy and particularly Bergamo were hit very very hard by the COVID crisis. So just with everything that that town has been through and the fact that Atlanta is not the big money, it's not a, as fancy a team as AC Milan or Inter Milan, Juventus, uh, and even even Napoli doesn't even have as much of a history as Napoli in uh, Italian football. So I, I'm going to be rooting for Atalanta to win this one. Okay. I think in the outcome, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think Paris Saint-Germain wins 2-1. to one, And I think Mauro Icardi is going to be the one that plays the big, uh, makes the biggest impact. And I mean no disrespect to Neymar, but Mauro Icardi, ever since he arrived in the French capital, to say that he's made an impact, Steve, that would be a hell of an understatement. And since Indeed. He's, and he's, since he's so happy, and he was unhappy. He was with, I believe he was with uh, Inter Milan before he came here, before he came uh-huh. to the French capital. And he was unhappy. And another major understatement, understatement would be that he was so unhappy there. So now that he's he's a place where he's happy, he's got momentum, and I, I think, think it's only going to get better for him. And then um, the other, on that side of the draw, the other, the other quarterfinal, I think Atlético Madrid, I think they take Leipzig. I, I see them scoring old, scoring a goal early, hanging on, and then scoring one late. So I pick Atlético Madrid 2-zip against Leipzig in that particular quarterfinal game. I, I agree with you, Steve. I think 2-0 is very realistic. And I've said this many times, Steve, and I'm sure some of their listeners agree with me. Your view and knowledge on the sport of soccer is super unique. And I feel, Steve, that you're the kind of guy that we learn from because you've known soccer for so long that we learn from you and that you have a philosophy in in your knowledge that is so unique that we could just sit there and listen to you talk like, you know, for hours and we'd be so fascinated. And personally, Steve, I've said this to you before, but I love listening to you talk soccer. I really do. Well, I appreciate that. It's fun to get a chance to chat about it with you. And I'm, I'm going to go a little off topic. Uh, some, uh, this is another request I had. Um, 
somebody wanted to know, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say the names because I want to keep this a little bit anonymous, but for those of you who requested, uh, unfortunately I can't get to all of the requests, but how did I get into soccer? Um, here's how it is. I've loved soccer my whole life. I've been a fan of international soccer since I was three when I uh, watched the 1996 Euro. I was a bit of a fan of the clubs for a while, but after being in the U.S. for a couple years, I lost interest in the club soccer and went to like the NFL and whatnot. And about three years ago, in 2017, I made a change that would impact my career. I would switch my main focus, you know, from NFL football to writing and talking about soccer. It has greatly impacted my career because in soccer, there's so much to talk about. There's a very short off-season, but it's not only the competitions we get to talk about. There's the transfers. There's everything. So soccer is a sport that just keeps going and going and going. Just like in the game. Notice, there's no commercial breaks. So it's a sport that keeps going, and it keeps my career active, and it keeps me from going idle because there's always something to talk about. That's why soccer is very important to me. So, through the request, I hope I answered your question. My goal is to not only answer your question in an objective way, but overall it's to actually answer your question, like to give you exactly what you asked for. So, the bottom line, soccer is important to me because it has not only impacted me personally, but it has an impact on my career. And overall, simply, I just love soccer. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm getting a little off topic, but you know, I, I care so much about our followers that, you know, I... Strive to give them ex exactly what they want. So now we get to Manchester City versus Lyon. Will fate repeat itself? Will Lyon get lucky again? Will Lyon pull off another miracle? I'm not going to say no, that's impossible. I'm just going to say we will see. Because truth be told, folks, there's nothing else to say. All I can say is we have to wait and see because in my sports writing career, this not only, this not only goes into soccer, this goes to when I write about the NFL, basketball, whatever, never, and I mean do not ever make predictions that you cannot back up. And even though Manchester City, as tough as they are, they could easily eviscerate Lyon, it's not right to make that prediction because we all thought the same thing about Juventus. Right, Steve? No question. I I really didn't think Lyon had a prayer against Juventus. Um, I, don't, I don't see Lyon... Uh, being able to perform back-to-back -back miracles, but so I think this this game I see Man Man City winning this one. I predict three zip. Okay, that's a fair prediction. But for me, I can't because I just want to sit, wait, and see. Because I thought Juventus was going to destroy Lyon, and Lyon is making me eat my words, and I'm actually proud of that. And that's the mistake I made, folks. I made a prediction, and I simply and I backed it up in the in the easiest way, and that's pretty humiliating. I said Juventus is going to destroy him because Juventus has Ronaldo. They are loaded. They have everything they need. Lyon doesn't stand a chance. Look what happened. That's the consequence of making a prediction that you can't back up. Now you might ask, well, how could you have backed? You did back it up because you said they have they were loaded. Well, sure, I I did. Perhaps I did back it up to an extent. But the truth is, I made a mistake that soccer teams make a lot. I underestimated Lyon. And even sports writers make that mistake of underestimating somebody because they write a story, make a prediction, and when it turns out that they're wrong, well, it doesn't really make them look bad because obviously predictions don't always go their way. But when you don't, when you just simply think that the 
bigger club is going to eviscerate the small club. That's just, you know, judging the book by the cover. So, I think Manchester City wins it, but I'm going to go with 2 to nothing. I think Lyon's going to have a little bit of resiliency on defense and challenge Manchester City to an extent. However, I think it's going to come to the point where, led by the brilliance of Kevin De Bruyne, Lyon is going to become overwhelmed, and Manchester City is going to take full advantage of it, and they're going to go to the Final Four. There we go. And even though I'm from Lyon, I mean, this is just being me, me being realistic. Like, let's be real, folks. If Lyon does, if if Lyon wins three nothing, I will be the first to say once again, I predicted incorrectly. Because when you predict incorrectly, there's just no point of saying you didn't. You did it. Just say you did, and that's it. <laughs> so you know, there's no point of lying. And you know, it's okay. We all make mistakes. <laughs> but now we now we get to another. This is something I'm really looking forward to. Barcelona versus Bayern Munich. And no, it's not because all these Barcelona fans who are, who on Twitter are always bragging about it. I just, because Bayern Munich is tough, and I just want to see Bayern Munich beat up on Barcelona because we mentioned this last time that the Barcelona team is a bit depleted, even though they, they still look good. And what's kind of painful in my case is that Antoine Griezmann has been very invisible, like, he really hasn't done anything this season. I mean, it's been a bust of a season. So he was he was absolutely an invisible man against Napoli yesterday. For whatever reason, Antoine Griezmann, who was a very very good player, I mean, he was an excellent player with uh, first with Real Sociedad, then he was fantastic with Atletico Madrid, French national team. I mean, he's just a very very good player. But for whatever reason teaming up with Suarez and Messi, it just hasn't worked out. And I mean, he, he hardly really even had a whiff of the ball uh, yesterday against Napoli. So I'm taking Bayern Munich in, in this one. I don't have a real strong voting sentiment on it because both Barcelona, both Bayern Munich, they're both clubs with tremendous amount of tr- tradition. They've won this trophy multiple times. Uh, they both have some seriously world-class players. I just think that Barcelona has just had so many questions with their team cohesion. I I see Bayern Munich winning this one. Bayern Munich is the odds-on favorite. And my prediction in this, folks, I'm going to go with the final score of 3-1. to one. I mean, I'm nice enough to say Barcelona will at least get get through the, get the ball through the net one time. But my strong prediction in this one is that Robert Lewandowski is going to be the source of the victory. He's going to play the big role. I think he scores two goals. And, um, I mean, the other the other player that I'm very curious to see, too, playing at a high level, too, for uh, Bayern Munich uh, out of North America, Davies, the Canadian forward, who is just an absolute speed demon. Uh, the guy causes just general havoc with runs up the up the left wing. So I'm I'm really, really looking forward to to seeing him matching up with uh, Barcelona's back line. Yeah. Bayern Munich has just become very exciting to watch all of a sudden. I mean they always have been, but all of a sudden their their attack is brutal. And for them to you know to send Chelsea you know Chelsea off that way, I mean it seems like Bayern Munich made it look easy. Especially uh, in game one, in, in the first meeting, which was uh, at, uh, 
at Chelsea's uh, home turf. I believe it's it's Stamford Bridge. I hope I'm uh, correct on that. Mm-hmm. It seems like Bayern Munich is at a point where we're tired of coming up short. We want to make an impact. This is the year we're going to make the biggest impact that we've done in a long time. I believe that Robert Lewandowski is, is going to be named the top. Is going to be the top scorer. He's he's already the top scorer of the tournament. I believe he has thirteen goals, but I think he's going to be the top scorer when the when the tournament concludes, and he's going to be the best of uh, the best player of the tournament in the uh, forward uh, category. Well, Bayern Munich certainly good enough to win this. They haven't won the Champions League since twenty thirteen, so it's been a couple years. But this is a team that's that's very very capable of making it all the way and. Um, Winning those last couple of games to lift the trophy, and what's really interesting, I mean, they uh, a lot of people say they were the dark horse coming coming into this tournament, especially in the uh, in the uh, knockout stage. But I think at this point, they're uh, they're probably the most dangerous team uh, aside from Manchester City. I, it, it could be debated because Manchester City is, is so brutal. Like like the semifinal between Bayern Munich and Manchester City, it's good. It, it could be. It could rack up all these views. Like, all these viewers, they're going to tune in. They're just going to watch this game. Like, this game could blow up on Twitter. Like, this, the hashtags are going to be so high. I have a feeling that there's a chance that Barcelona versus Bayern, uh, excuse me, Bayern Munich versus Manchester City in the Final Four is going to be the top trend on Twitter. I think that would be very interesting. Uh, the other thing, though, the other possible storyline, if Barcelona can prevail against Bayern Munich, then you would have... Barcelona, and if Man City gets by Lyon, which they should, then you would have Pep Guardiola coaching his current side against the team that he played for for several years, won hardware as a player with Barcelona, was a coach during that incredibly magical time frame of 2010-2011 uh, when Barcelona won like some ridiculous thing, like eleven trophies in a in a calendar in a calendar season. So for Pep to potentially coach a semifinal against his old club of Barcelona can get by Bayern Munich, I think that would be some pretty compelling stuff as well. But I think the I, I do think the semifinal that I think a lot of people want to see, and I confess myself included. I really would like to see Bayern Munich and Man City go at it. I think I would love to see that as well. To see Pep uh, Guardiola coach his former club and somehow eliminate them. And I think that also has the potential of being a very t- one of the top trends on Twitter. These big games, Steve, I've, I've seen on Twitter, they, they trend. They trend big time. But this has a potential of soaring on social media. I mean, not only on Twitter, but this could be all over social media because people are going to be talking about it. And this Champions League, it's been nothing but upsets. I mean, ever since Liverpool suffered, you know, the loss in the round of 16 to Atletico Madrid, there's just been something special about this tournament. Like, all of a sudden, the favorites, the big guys, are being knocked out of the team, knocked out of the tournament prematurely. And some might argue, I mean, the round of 16 is not prematurely, prematurely, but I kind of think it is, especially these big teams so i think what we have to keep in mind is that more surprises are ahead of us steve i really i really think that i think what it speaks to as well as i think it's to just how difficult it is to pull off that double of winning your domestic championship and to win the champions league in the same season that is such a incredibly tough double to do 
Um, I mean, just you look at just this season alone, Real Madrid, Juventus, Liverpool, all winning their domestic championships in serious style, yet all of them out of the round of 16. So it's, it, it is a very, very tough thing to do. You have to, you have to keep your lineups healthy. You have to play at a high level in both tournaments. You need a certain level of luck. But uh, but at the end of the day, it is a very, very difficult thing to do. I mean, look at, too, when Man City was winning those domestic titles in the EPL, and yet they would be coming up short in the Champions League. They were getting knocked out in you know the quarterfinals you know, most of the time. So um, very, very hard thing to do. Exactly, and what I'm going to keep in mind is um, the fact that the last, if I'm correct, the last two years at least, Man City has suffered an upset in the quarterfinals. Last year, I believe it was against Tottenham, and two years ago it was against Liverpool. So, yeah. that, that, that's why this, if if it happens again, it could be it could be like people will see like it's some sort of curse. But I really don't think it'll happen. I think Manchester City will advance comfortably. And that'll be it. And going back, and, and the last thing I want to say about Barcelona and Bayern Munich, um, even though Bayern Munich is, uh, I'm going to stick to them as my favorite. No matter who advances, if Manchester City advances to the final four, we're in for a very exciting match. Mm-hmm. No, no question. Again, very, very, very looking forward to all these. All these quarterfinals, and then um, also looking forward to the Europa League. They're in their quarterfinals this week as well. Yes, and as we ra- we've just wrapped up the Champions League, folks, we will now move on to the Europa League. We are down to uh, the final eight: Wolverhampton versus Seville, Manchester United versus Copenhagen, Inter Milan versus Bayer Leverkusen. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And then down to Shakhtar Donetsk, a Ukrainian club versus Basel, which is a Swiss club. It's very interesting because you have these small clubs. I mean, I've never even heard of these. I mean, this club Copenhagen. I mean, obviously, I always felt like you know, there's obviously a sport, a soccer club in the in the Danish capital. It's just somehow it's something I'm not really used to seeing. A big club like Manchester United squaring off against a small club. In the in the quarterfinals, you know of of, um, of the second biggest tournament in uh, domestic soccer, and we, we spoke about this a couple of days ago, Steve. That Manchester United very well may be the the odds-on favorite to win the tournament. I think the only threats that are in their way. I mean, Seville has to be a threat because if I'm correct, Seville has the most titles with five of them, and it, just a couple of years ago, Seville knocked Manchester United out of the Champions League in the round of sixteen. Seville is a very good team, and uh, I I think that Wolverhampton's good run in the Europa League, I think that's going to come to an end against Seville. I think Man U should be able to handle Copenhagen without too much difficulty. Inter, I think they should do okay. They should win their quarterfinal. Shakhtar versus Basel. Uh, Shakhtar has also won this competition before too, the Ukrainian club. So, I think uh, I think Shakhtar Donetsk should should make the semis out of that. It's like I said uh, just a little bit ago. There are many surprises ahead of us, and and if memory serves, uh, the importance too of winning the Europa League is that it's also 
your key to being able to qualify for the Champions League. So it's not an inconsequential trophy to win. It's not just a little piece of hardware, but it will get you a get you a foot in the door for the for the upcoming Champions League playoffs as well. Exactly. And with Man- in Manchester United's case, the fact they finished in the, in the top four, they finished third in the uh, Premier League, despite all the struggles and the uh, collapse of Le- of Leicester. Manchester United wants to add a piece of hardware as part of the pride because they're working on having a bright future. I mean, the the future does look bright for for the club, but they want to add more to it. Like they want to spark the momentum. They want to keep the positive vibe strong. Because after all the negativity that the club has gone through over, over the last few years, they want to seal the deal as far as, as far as negativity goes. They want negativity to be gone. They want to stay positive. Like They want to be what they once were. Like Manchester United wants to be great again. And certainly for them to win this trophy, I think, would... I mean, making the top four to get the Champions League, I mean, that was of the utmost of importance for Solskjaer and his guys. But uh, but I think if Man U could win this title like they won again, uh, like they won two years ago, I think would be a, certainly a very very nice way for for them to finish the season. It would be the the perfect way to end the season because it's been a while. It's been years since they've brought hardware back back to Old Trafford, and they they're determined to do it at this point, Steve. So I think that despite. The uh, problems with mentality and the frustration on the field. I think Manchester United is going gonna, is gonna to win the tournament. I think the final could very well be Manchester United versus Inter Milan. If that happens, what's really interesting is that this will be Romelu Lukaku, who now plays for Inter Milan. Just imagine that. Squaring off against his former club. In that case, I mean, I'm not sure who would be the favorite. Inter Milan would probably be considered the favorite because people are probably going to say... Lukaku is going, to, is going to destroy them. But if Manchester United comes to that game with a very unique and strong focused mind, the title is going to be theirs. But for now, they have to worry about, they have to worry about Copenhagen, which will be, which will be played um, later this week. And Wolverhampton, uh, they're still trying to, I, I believe, I'm not sure as far as their uh, Champions League, excuse me, their Champions League hopes aside from this tournament goes, I think Wolverhampton's just playing for some pride right now, and they're gonna have their hand, they're gonna have their hands full against the Spanish club Seville, if you ask me. It's gonna be the only way Wolves will be able to get to Europe because uh, they came up short since Arsenal won the FA Cup. Uh, since Wolves finished seventh, they didn't qualify for a Europa League spot. So the only way that Wolves is gonna play any European ball at all is if they could somehow run the table and win this tournament. I just I, I just don't see Wolves doing it. Even as great a season as uh, Jimenez and Traore have had for Wolves, I, I just don't see them doing it. And I, I agree. I think a lot of people are thinking that this one will end up being um, the old-school battle of Inter Milan versus Manchester United. I just can't wait to see the surprises ahead. And I'm, and I have all the confidence in the world. And, and and I'm not. This is not the fan perspective kicking in. This is just the confidence in a sportsman perspective. I really believe with that momentum going on, Manchester United, they can 
win the title. Of course, the question is, will they? Because it's all about the mentality. Because they have, they're just like the French national team. They have the talent, but it's the focus, it's the mentality that comes to question. And speaking of Manchester United, I'm more convinced than ever that Paul Pogba is going to stay because now it's the best time for him to stay because he has there's a he could form a unique dynamic duo and I explained this last time but he and Bruno Fernandez can do great things together and with positive uh, with you know very talented teammates around him it's best for him to stay at Old Trafford. Well, I I think that he'll stay. I don't I don't see Pogba going anywhere at this point. And I'm going back on my own word because you probably, I mean, we talked about this before. I wrote this in articles. I said that him going to Real Madrid was the best thing for Paul Pogba. But now that I think about it, it just may have, it's the complete opposite. It may have been the worst thing because he has to, like, start from scratch. Like, he has to kind of pick up his rhythm, his groove, because he's in a completely different set of competition. He's not in the Premier League. He's in La Liga. And even though Zidane, obviously, for a French player to play under Zidane is a dream come true because, I've mentioned before, when it comes to France and French soccer, Zidane is God. But, at this, but now that I think about it, I think him playing at Real Madrid, you know, especially with all that pressure that's going to be on him, I think it probably would have been the worst thing for him. And, folks, that happens sometimes. Like, you know, there's a certain point of time where you think something, and then when time goes by, and then... Going, looking at what Real Madrid's going through and all these problems, you understand that it makes you open your eyes to something and say, wow, it's actually a good thing that he's not there and that he stayed where he is because he's not part of that mess. And that eliminates drama from his career. Like, like all that drama stays away. Paul Pogba can actually focus and play some sublime football. And, and this happens all the time. There's a lot of things we'll assume, and then after a while we realize that what we said before is actually not right. And that's that's what I love about soccer. There's a lot of things that, you, that that'll open your eyes and then you'll realize something. And what's really important to me, Steve, is that I learned because I love learning. Yeah, but um, we'll just, we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, Pug will be having another year at Old Trafford and we'll, we'll just have to see, have to see where, where the next steps go. I mean, that's the other thing that makes soccer an interesting sport to follow is just that there's there's always the the rumor and the transfer wire and, and all that kind of stuff and you know just personalities so we'll see what happens during this very very short off season man i don't i, I think it's to safe to say it's going to be so short that i don't think we should call it an off season and speaking of pogba when i wrote an article that he will be staying up old Trafford after all i uh Mentioned a source, a source says that he and he's a he and the team are close to agreeing on an, on a new contract, and it specifically stated that an, an announcement is set to be officially made when the season's over. So I'm assuming that once the uh, Manchester United's Europa League campaign is over, we can expect an update on uh, Paul Pogba whether he signed a new contract or maybe he's just gonna play out the final year of the current contract. They're gonna wait till that expires. So. Whatever the case, the bottom line is, folks, expect an announcement on Paul Pogba once Manchester United wraps up their season. So now that wraps up the Europa League. Now I want to get to the final request, and this was a big one. I had a, a supporter that wanted us to talk about the fact that, and I shared this on the face on the uh, on our Facebook page uh, on on the group uh, page that Steve and I are on called Stoppage Time FC. 
that there was a story that Newcastle United declined the opportunity to sign Zinedine Zidane because the manager at the time felt that the young Zizou was not fit to play in the Premier League. Oops. <laughs> so, okay, so to the, to the uh, support, to our, our, to our loyal listener, by the way, to this loyal listener who made that request, thank you so much for being so loyal. I hope that, I'm, I hope that you love this, I mean, I know you love this show, but I just want you to know that I care about what you think. I, I really appreciate your loyalty. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just so overwhelmed with emotion because it's, it's great to see loyal fans out there. My thoughts is, my thought is, honestly, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But at the same time, I'm glad that Juventus picked him up because I feel like if he had gone to Newcastle United, his career probably would not have... Okay, you know what? That's not fair to say. I mean, maybe he still could have won the Champions League. It's one of those situations that we will never know. I mean, I was three, year, I was three years old when this all was taking place. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, what I would have thought personally about him going to Newcastle United. I'm sure that he would have done great. He, uh, he, he probably, he and along, alongside with uh, Alan Shearer, I'm sure that things would, would have gone great. But I do believe that if he had gone to Newcastle United, I think he would have had a... He never would have played in La Liga, if you ask me. I think he maybe would have moved... There's a strong chance he probably would have moved to another club. But as far as my take goes on the whole thing, I think him not going to Newcastle United was actually good for Zizou because Juventus gave him the chance. He had a lot of success there. And eventually he went to Real Madrid. So I think... and. And at the end of the day, honestly, in Newcastle's in, in Newcastle United's case, well, it's your it's your it's your damn loss. It's your loss, not Zizou's. Well, I mean, it was clear at the time that uh, he was such a great talent with Bordeaux, and he had such an upside with both Bordeaux and then you know as a fledgling player on the French national team. But uh, you know. The thing is, you don't always know how it will go with certain players, uh, how they will do in certain countries. I mean, Cantona landed in England first with Leeds, helped Leeds win a title, and then the rest is history when he was with uh, Manchester United. But is it's hard to say whether the situation in Newcastle, if he would have flowered there, would it have set his career back? My feeling is I think it would have been a phenomenal partnership with him and Shearer. I think that I I think Zidane would have done just fine in Newcastle and I think the I think the Jordy fans would have absolutely taken him to heart because he's such a good player and he plays with such passion and he wears his heart on his sleeve. But but yeah, I mean I think every club has a has a great what if on that and you know, just like Liverpool had a chance at uh, Cantona, and Liverpool passed on him too. So I think that's and this was a guy who ended up haunting Liverpool for years. So, uh, but yeah, I it was clearly a bad move, but um, you, you can't always be sure how it will go with a certain player adapting to being in a different country. I think you know maybe for a guy from Marseille like Zidane. I think maybe culturally uh, being in Italy, in northern Italy, wouldn't have been as much of a culture shock, say, to being in uh, northern England. So you, you just don't know. Well said, Steve. And to the fan um, 
who's who made this request. I hope we answered your questions correctly. And this reminds me, there was another story that came uh, that Manchester United was reportedly interested in bringing Zidane. Like Sir Alex Ferguson wanted to bring him in, but apparently he had second thoughts because I mean this is this was from actually an article I wrote. I mean I don't know if this article was accurate. I mean this is based on a source, but Sir Alex Ferguson I guess probably got worried that there would be uh, bad blood between uh, the young Zizou and Eric Cantona because. For some of you who who know, when Eric Cantona was banned from the French national team, Z, that's when Zinedine Zidane began growing. He basically took the playmaker status. I mean, when Cantona was gone, the hero became Zidane. I mean, I to be honest, I don't even know if Cantona is really considered a hero in the in, in the French national soccer team. I mean, to my, my dad loves Eric Cantona. I mean, my dad's probably the, the kind of guy that would say Eric Cantona pour le pour, for president, Eric Cantona, le président de la République. To be honest, I don't. I mean, part of me says he there probably would not be bad blood because I'm sure that Cantona does not have a problem with Zidane because he probably would have told Zidane, "It's your opportunity. You got to take it. You got to do this for your country." But at the mm-hmm. same time, I guess they didn't want to risk it. But what was so interesting in that story, and this was the breaking point of that story, is that. Eric Cantona waits to the last minute to tell Sir Alex Ferguson that he does not want to play soccer anymore. Because keep in mind, folks, Eric Cantona, if I'm correct, Steve, he retired. He retired from the sport at the age of 30. I think he had lots more left in the legs to play, but but Cantona, you know, he was only about 30 when he hung it up, kind of like Michel Platini. Um, Platini was about 30 or so uh, when he hung it up as well. So. It's just, it's hard to say, you know, um, between the grind of practice, media, and all that. I mean, I think everybody has, you know, their tipping point. And I think the, the bottom line is, is that if the game's no longer fun, you know, or if, you're, or if your body's starting to fall apart, it, it's, it's time to just walk away. It is, and based on my understanding, part of the reason that Cantona quit it was because he did not like the way uh, the I think it has something to do with the ownership and the front office. He simply didn't like the way they did business, and 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 what's what was key is that I'm sure that if Eric Cantona had told them in advance that he was gonna that he was gonna quit at this time, I believe that perhaps Zinedine Zidane would have ended up at Old Trafford playing under the great Sir Alex Ferguson. But it's like Steve said uh, to the fan uh, who made this request. It's like Steve says, this is just one of those what ifs that we will never know. Because in sports, there are so many what ifs in history. I mean, what if the Portland Trailblazers had taken Michael Jordan? What if Randy Moss had actually been drafted by the Cowboys? I'm sure, this is kind of, but this, like these are sports and overall. This is another one. I mean, of course, when people think of Zidane, they think, what if he had not headbutted uh, Marco Materazzi? These what ifs. We can make assumptions, folks, but the truth is, these assumptions are, at the end of the day are pretty much worthless. Like, it's just my opinion. I mean, of course, it's from a professional, objective way, but still, it's my opinion because it never happened. Mm-hmm. But Steve is right. If Zizou had gone to Newcastle United, I really believe that he and Alan Shearer would have made a fine offensive attack duo. And if Zizou had gone to Old Trafford, I'm sure things would have worked out great, but, like, they said it's a what if, it's it's a big what if we'll never know, but all we do know is that Newcastle turned him down. And Juventus took the oppor- didn't waste no time. They took the opportunity. They brought in the young Zizou and they developed him further. And the rest is history. Indeed.
Before we let you go, I have a major announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, loyal listeners, loyal followers, I'd like to thank you so very much for tuning into this edition of Into the Net FC, the Soccer Talk segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Another friendly reminder that Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spreaker, and YouTube. If you haven't clicked follow yet, then please, please go ahead and do so. You can follow me on Twitter personally at Bearman of Texas. That is at Bearman of Texas, the full spelling of the state of Texas. You can also follow the podcast at Bear Texas, this time with just TX underscore podcast. That's the Twitter of the Bear of Texas podcast. It's at Bear Texas, just the T and the X underscore podcast. The Bear of Texas podcast is proudly paired with the Playmakers blog. Please check out the website. That is the playmakersblog.com. Once again, the playmakersblog.com. Check out their shop. You will have access to other podcasts associated with the Playmakers blog. There's plenty for you to listen to. There's plenty forward, plenty for you to look forward to. Excuse me. Steve, thank you so very much for sitting down and talking more soccer with me. I look forward to having you again. Folks, thank you all very much for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is the Bear of Texas signing off deep in the heart of Texas. Have a great week, everybody. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.